Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode with another fun guest host this week, as well as a female legend from the drumming world. We'll also find out what made Trevor say... I have great Elvis moves, if anybody wants to know. And why Nicole said... Heck yeah, you get credit for Pep Band, I love that. Awesome. All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go, set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. March is Women's History Month, and we'll be celebrating all month long with amazing guests, fun interviews, and maybe we'll learn a little bit as we go. It's also Music in Our Schools Month, so let's get right into it. Last week, we talked about Winter March Madness for Percussion and Guard. Our hosts reviewed some of their winter shows from this year, and if you didn't listen to that episode, you definitely should go and check it out. Cynthia, the director of Les Eclipse in Canada, gave us a pretty interesting breakdown of the Onyx show this year, and that was pretty impressive. We are planning to do a couple more episodes as we get closer to championships for WGI, and maybe we'll get the host to make some predictions about who the winter winners might be, <laughs> the Winter Guard winners, <laughs> and winter percussion, of course. Uh, so you can all listen as you travel around to the championships that are coming up in April. This week, we are going to talk about another type of March Madness, and that's the one that involves the orange ball and the court that is not covered with a floor tarp. (laughs) But of course, we're talking about the pep bands. We have two great people to talk about pep bands, as they have been in the thick of it all season long. But first, let's check in and see who's on the sidelines this week. Tom? Hi from rainy California. <laughs> Finally, oh, sunny. <laughs> and Nicole, hello, and also hello from rainy Ohio. Oh. <laughs> it's rainy in Missouri too. Is it just a nationwide? It's just a rain. Oh. Everyone has their life jackets and like rafts and stuff. <laughs> oh man. Head for the hills. (laughs) Um, Our first pep band expert is just back from a trip to Ireland where he was there during St. Patrick's Day. So we definitely want to hear about that. Trevor, how was your trip? The trip to Dublin, Ireland was amazing. Myself, along with the other band directors here at Western Carolina University, were there uh, doing a site visit of the 2023 St. Patrick's Day Parade in preparation for our 2024 excursion across the pond. We had a great time. The parade was amazing. We had great seats in the grandstands watching the amazing production that was put together. The parade had a message of we are one. It was about unification and inclusiveness from all different cultures. Um, The LGBTQ community was involved. Bands from across um, the the country were there. A lot of great bands representing the United States from a couple of high schools in North Carolina to the Purdue uh, marching band, uh, marching bands uh, from the Mountain West Conference um, under the direction of Steve McKeithen, Fresno State, Boise State, 
University of Nevada, Reno, uh, University of Wyoming, they all combined to do one big old Mountain West band. Um, it was such a great experience, dancing, laughing, music, great colors, and it was just amazing food and drinks. It was just such all a great- All the best things. <laughs> all the best things, great sights and sounds. I think the students um, are going to enjoy themselves Highly encourage any band that's interested in uh, doing an international trip to visit Dublin, Ireland for that St. Patrick's Day Parade. You will not regret it at all. It was a great experience. I am pretty sure that everyone out there understands what a pep band is. And we have all seen them at the games, either in person or even on TV. But joining us to give their expertise in all things pep bands who just happens to be one of the few female band directors of a large university marching band and has been a guest before on our podcast. So I'm very, very excited to have you back. It's Dr. Amy Knopfs. Yes, thanks so much for the invitation to join you again. What have you been up to since we chatted last? Last time we were talking about the Macy's Parade. So if anybody hasn't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to it because it's an amazing episode. But what have you been up to since then? Absolutely. Yes, please do. We're so, so proud of our trip and performance in the parade. And yes, we were, we have been busy wrapping up our season and certainly we have been a part of March Madness as well with our pep band, which is titled Mini Mizzou, going to the women's SEC tournament, men's SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament. We've had our Ionic Winter Guard moving into their successful competitive season. And then just this past Monday, we actually closed our, our our season band 137 as we like to say because on this past Saturday we had our quote-unquote spring game and drum major finalist auditions our band banquet wrapped it up Monday night and then just yesterday at 1 38 p.m we announced our leadership team for next season as we look ahead to another historic year where we will be in Ireland too in March of 2024. Oh my gosh. So Dr. Knopes, I don't think we had this little tradition when we first had you on. Um, so here's how it's going to go. We're going to try something new. It's called the 32 count life story. We're going to turn, we're going to turn on the Dr. Beat with an eight count prep. And then you will have, 32 counts to tell us your life story from beginning until now. Now, don't leave out the juicy stuff. You have to give us all the details. Eight off the Met and go. Okay, I am from Kansas City, Missouri, in a suburb called Lee Summit. I grew up there, born and raised, went to Lee Summit High School. I started flute and piccolo in fifth grade, ascended all the way up in our excellent music program where I was involved in band, orchestra. I was drum major of our marching band. Then sung in the choir too. Then went to the University of Missouri where, oh no, gosh, this is going really fast. <laughs> University of Missouri. Then I taught high school and middle school in Kansas City. After that, I went to the University of Kansas. Then I went to the University of Georgia. 
after that, Eastern Michigan University, where I taught for seven years. Now I'm back home at the University of Missouri. I think it ended. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have never been in the room where this is actually all happening. And I'm like, she's going to make it. <laughs> oh my God. I'll do that again and do a lot better. <laughs> I thought it was great. So, yes. Dr. Knops. How was your pet band season? How has it been? Break it down for us. Oh, it was an exciting year this year at the University of Missouri. We have a new basketball coach, Dennis Gates, trombone player. So that's been exciting for us. But uh, him and his staff and our team, they've had an outstanding season. And we have truly enjoyed being a part of the game day atmosphere in this new era of basketball here at the University of Missouri. In addition to, of course, our women's side with Coach Pinchton, but <clears throat> it's just been phenomenal. Uh, and the environment is electric, and that has moved all the way up here into our postseason where we've had really excellent runs in the SCC tournament. And again, moving into the NCAA where we were uh, so hoping to make it to the sweet 16, but we're really thankful to make it to into the field of 64 and make it to the field of 32 and playing in the second round. All right. So what do people love about doing pep band? Well, the opportunity to, Number one, play inside. <laughs> so that's that's always pretty fun to move, you know, indoors to uh, the Hearn Center and also to Mizzou Arena. Uh, we do play for for our volleyball team for their SEC tournament play, and that's housed in the Hearn Center. But Mizzou Arena is our home base for our men's and women's basketball games. And students love the, the smaller setting. And what a lot of our students say is they like getting to know their section members. Because, of course, here in March, Missouri, we're 350 members. So they're part of, of large sections. And when you're in that smaller format of mini Mizzou, that's the name of our pet band structure, they get to know each other on more of that intimate level. In addition to, of course, playing a wide range of music and a really fast-paced, exciting atmosphere. That's so cool. Trevor, can you answer to any of that too? Like, how is it where you are? Yeah, so um, so I'm here at Western Carolina University. Uh, We're the Western uh, Carolina Catamounts. So uh, we're tagged with the name the Cat House Band. Um, So we (laughs) have a fight. We have a feisty group of individuals, Uh, just just like at Mizzou, um, it's a larger band program, um, anywhere between uh, 420 and 470 members of the marching band. Um, Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, So that that intimate setting uh, that Amy just talked about is absolutely true. Uh, Students love the camaraderie of, you know, being in a setting with, you know, 40 or 50 of their really close friends who love basketball, who love supporting um, men's and women's athletic teams, particularly the basketball uh, um, players. And they just like to, uh, you know, come with a lot of energy, uh, passion about uh, sports and just play some upbeat tunes and just 
just be there for their team. It's it's a really fun experience, and and our and our cat house band is incredibly passionate. So that's always fun to be a part of. What are some of the challenges of running a pet band versus or or being on a pet band versus marching band in the fall? Number one is the schedule. You know, our students are so incredibly dedicated to our athletic band program. And in the fall, when we hit that that November time where we're still in the thick of our football season, of course, approaching the end of it, but volleyball is occurring. So our students are rehearsing, playing for football. They're also doing performances at volleyball and then that's the start of men's and women's basketball as well so we hit some weeks where we're playing for all four of those sports and certainly that is a challenge for our students because they're obviously also balancing the the demand of their academic degree programs and there was one week and it was actually the week that we were getting ready to go to and leave for new york city for macy's where we had an athletic event every evening of the week, Monday through Friday, well, Monday through Saturday, because of course we had the home football game on Saturday and that's hard for our students. Uh, And so we have to be really creative to balance our rehearsal schedule as we're preparing for one of our last football games, but also that we're still representing ourself, our name, you know, many Mizzou appropriately in and balancing the the lives of their students because we want to make sure that they are receiving a balanced um, ask <laughs> in what uh, in what they're being asked to do. Tell us a little bit about how your pet bands are put together. Like, are there auditions, volunteers? Do you have more than one? How's that go down? So, so here at Western Carolina, we're a smaller conference. We're in the Southern Conference or the SOCON Conference, uh, to keep it short. Um, we have people who volunteer uh, for the pet band. They sign up for our pet band class, which officially opens in the spring. You can register for the class. We don't have a, a class in the uh, fall that they can sign up for to get credit for. So it's especially between the months of like late October to like that early December, that transition come out of finals, that it's all volunteer based. But the folks who are going to participate usually join in and and, and, and make a uh, really complete band out of it. Um, so it's mostly volunteer. Then we have some folks that audition for like solos and um, within like different charts and things like that. We have both uh, music uh, uh, non-major and uh, music majors um, in the group. Um, so that's that's where it kind of consists of uh, for us here at Western. It's like a, a healthy mix of both. Heck yeah, you get credit for pep band. I love that. Awesome. Well, now it's time for a little segment we call Wear Watch. So each week we have our hosts and correspondents fanning out across the country to keep us on what's going on in the winter activity. Cindy has um, sent us uh, her report, and of course, it's a great one. Take it away, Cindy. guys, Leander and Mama back with you again to talk about another exciting Winter Guard weekend. And that was WGI Dallas at Capel High School. And can I quickly throw in that I wish every high school had a gym like Capel's? I noticed every seat there was an actual chair and not just bleachers. 
And you guys, when you sit there for an entire weekend, that matters. So props to Capel High School for thinking about the rest of us. Okay, let's quickly talk about Scholastic A. Now, just like in Austin, there were 42 guards competing for 15 spots in finals. Now, again, can I ask that we add a semifinals round for this class? Or can we come up with another class, maybe? How about a Scholastic B class that comes before A? I don't know, just something that will split up this class a bit and give us more opportunities to see these guards a second time. I was also super excited to see some guards from Oklahoma come down. We had Yukon and Southmore and Choctaw and Jinx in the Scholastic divisions, and we had a couple of independent groups as well. And some of the, my favorite shows from the weekend came from these Oklahoma groups. Uh, the first one was Jinx in the Scholastic A division. They did a really fun hotel-themed show, and they had luggage carts roaring all over the floor and did some Pretty amazing stunts, I thought, uh, where they threw rifles up above the luggage carts and ran through them and caught them on the other side. And just overall, a really impressive show. And it was one of my favorites from that category. Another show that I was really excited about was Keller Central. And they did a werewolf show of all things. And they had great costumes and the music. Uh, the floor was really interesting. It sort of had a a werewolf face on it if you looked at it a certain way and uh, they just did a really fantastic job with this show in fact took fifth place overall and i was super happy for those guys now i've got to mention the top three in scholastic a the very exciting groups you guys know i love clearbrook and their self-reflection show with the giant mirrors it's just a beautiful show it just really is kind of mesmerizing when you watch it and really well done and um, kudos to them for taking third place and uh, South Lake Carroll took second place, another school that we hadn't heard a lot from in the last few years, but suddenly they seem to be everywhere and uh, just really happy for that guard to take second place. And then, of course, Friendswood, one of my favorite programs I'm from the Houston area, like Clearbrook. And uh, I just love that show. It gets better every time I see it. And uh, Stephanie Chavez just really is a brilliant director there. I'm not just saying that. I just think she's doing a superb job with that program. And I have a feeling we're about to see Friendswood move up to open class, probably, I would say, for the next season for sure. Okay, quickly moving on to the open class. Another group from Oklahoma that really impressed me was the Southmore High School Guard from Moore, Oklahoma, which is an area that is not unfamiliar with tornadoes and tragedy and I felt like this show was sort of embracing that and uh, so many kiddos that have been killed over the years and terribly injured and some of these terrible storms that they have gotten. And as a former preschool director who was responsible for a lot of little precious lives, uh, that show really touched me as the felt like they were really talking about uh, a heavy theme, but they took it on well and they did a great job and in fact got eighth place with that show. So great job to Southmore. Now in fifth place, was one of my favorite guards, the Capel High School Open Guard. And the last year, I think their show was probably my favorite of the season when they did the, the toy and the Barbie themed show. That one was also fun. And this year they're doing something a little similar. It's like an all girl K-pop pop band. And uh, it is really well done. I just, I would love to know who designs for them, how they come up with these ideas because Capel seems to have found a niche for them that is really working, and this show really works, too. And they did a great job with it, and I'm looking forward to seeing that one live. 
I also want to shout out to James Bowie High School, and they did such a great job in Scholastic Open taking second place. This is a guard that has struggled since COVID, used to be world-class, uh, famously so, and did some pretty crazy shows back in the day. And they've just been looking to get back to that level. And I could definitely see hints of the old buoy when I was watching them this weekend. And I'm so happy for them. Can't wait to see how they do in the future. And then last of all in this class was the Marcus High School Guard. And <laughs> this show was, it was so well done. It was a subway type theme, but the floor, it was just a 3D, it jumped out at you. Like it came through the camera even on flow marching and the perspective was just really interesting. And, and not only that, but the, the things that these kids were doing were just amazing and they deserved that first place. And a lot of times we kind of forget about Marcus seems like in marching band and in guard. They also used to be a world-class guard and I can also see them getting back to that level. And I think it won't be long until we're going to have four or five world-class guards in Texas. And that is super exciting. And speaking of these world guards, Flower Mound was the only one in Dallas competing in Scholastic World over the weekend and did another phenomenal job. Just so exciting seeing these kids competing in their new class and looking forward to next year when they have a full season in Scholastic World. And hopefully we'll see them back in Dayton sometime soon. And in our independent world, we had Third Coast, that new group from Houston that I'm just really impressed with. Can't wait to see them improving over the next few years. And we had Invictus, just another phenomenal show. Uh, I know several of the kids in that one, and I just really enjoy that show. But the top two were Origins and Mirage, and they kind of flip-flopped from prelims to finals with Mirage taking first place in finals by about half a point. And these are our top two Texas groups going into Dayton. Uh, Mirage is currently ranked sixth. Origins is currently ranked eighth. And I can't wait to see them in Dayton battling out against groups like Blessed Sacrament and Onyx and, of course, Amp, which is one of my favorites. And these are just all super exciting groups. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them in world competition. Well, that's all I have for today, you guys. I hope everyone has a fantastic week. See you next time. Thanks, Cindy. Cindy is going to be doing some interviews with guard folks from around the country. And her first one is with the seniors from The Woodlands Guard. It will be coming out soon. Now, we have a little special segment because our producer, Jeremy, was at the Bethlehem Regional, I heard. So how was that, Jeremy? Hey, guys. Very exciting. Um, I don't go to many regionals anymore for some reason. I just seem to always be busy, but I got asked to go to the Bethlehem Regional. And I was there pretty much all day for all of prelims, which was really awesome. Um, got to see some really amazing guards. Um, I, I sent I sent Cindy a couple as she was watching on Flow Marching from her home. You need to go over and watch um i, I believe it was uh jmu um the uh are the university mm. uh james madison university's color guard they have a world color guard i think that's doing kaleidoscope and they have this floor cut out and this big huge like thing in the middle this big huge tower in the middle that they're climbing up and down and they take all these pieces of floor and they move it all around it's like really great to see re really great to see that got to see fusion duke it out with amp this weekend and you know Ooh. on the east coast in the mid-atlantic it's been fusion and amp back and forth for a couple of years usually wow. amp ending up on top this this weekend fusion was up there 
there. You have a really great show, sort of like a 60s vibe um, show that's really great. Um, there's this amazing performer, Maeve St. Ange, who was in Sacred Heart University Guard before. She just started a fusion. Um, she's a, She was a social media person for us for a while. She did stuff uh, with Style Plus uh, TV for a while. She is a dancer in this show. And I have to say shout out to her because the entire color, I mean, there's like 40 people on the floor, right? Infusion show or something like that, like some crazy number. And she is up front <laughs> with these two boys dancing in this little like wrap around each other, moving around each other. And the entire color guard behind her is like twirling their butts off and ain't nobody watching what's going on behind her and these two guys dancing <laughs> because she is just flawless. I was like, that is the moment in the show where it's like the moment of breath but it's not really a moment of breath because there's so much stuff going on behind her but because she's so captivating and amazing it's just so good if you have not watched it it's like somewhere towards like the end of the show that she or middle of the show that she's up front with these two guys dancing you have to capture it it's so lovely and that's not to throw out amps performance at all it was like amazing it was stunning we had kai the captain of the color guard on last week's episode um that we got to hear a lot about the inside of of amp and i have no doubt that amp is going to be another crowd favorite when it uh when it comes down to it so it was an exciting day of color guard and i I, i'm certainly excited i've been looking at the been looking at the recaps and all of that and i have to say it's very exciting to have dr knops on because you you are also have your little, not little, but your guard, your A guard, um, Ionic Winter Guard. How's that going for you? Thank you. It's we're having a great season, and this is actually just our sixth season overall. We established Ionic in the fall of 2017, so we're really proud of the growth of Ionic. And this year, we have two interim co-directors. Uh, one is Miranda Van Norman, who is a founding member of Ionic, and she's ascended up through the ranks. You know, she was assistant director and now here she is as interim co-director. And then Connor O'Neill, who has also been a member of Ionic uh, just last year. So we're really proud of the both of them as they move into a leading our, our winter guard. And we work with Zach Barber and Robert Jordan. And it's just been phenomenal. This year, they're the title of their show is it's titled the act of letting go. And it's centered around the idea of life as a balancing act of knowing when to hold on and when to let go. And at the center of the floor is the scale uh, that our performers are on moving on and off of. And it's, it's just art and beautiful movement from top to bottom. So uh, we're really proud of their work and we're going to be on spring break this next week. So they get a little bit of a rest, but we're excited to make the final push as we look ahead to Dayton, certainly, and also WGI. I have to ask you because, you know, I'm, I'm always on my social media and checking that out. I saw a video of you riding on that, uh, the, basically the big swing that is part of the scale. (laughs) That's right. How, how was that? What, 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 was the, what did that feel like? Oh, so much fun. The students are, yes, our entire cast had been waiting for the right moment. They wanted me to take a turn on the prop. And so during our last rehearsal, 
last Sunday. I was like, well, absolutely, I will take my turn. And and I was really working to emulate one of our performers who does such a beautiful job in that moment where the scale is raised. And we've got to be very careful because, again, WGI rules. We can only move up six feet. And so they were so excited to pull me up. And right. I was like, I think we're beyond six feet. We're going to make sure that we're staying down. <laughs> but it was so fun. Been <laughs> well, you looked like you were having so much fun. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm very, very thankful for uh, the opportunity to move on, <laughs> move on the scale there. Well, Steven is back with a percussion recap. There is lots happening over there in percussion land. So what's going on with those drummers, Steven? Hey, everyone. Steven Carrick here giving you your percussion WGI recap for the week. We had four different regionals uh, starting things off over in Minnesota. We got to see Minnesota Brass Indoor and River City Rhythm take the floor for Percussion Independent World. Minnesota Brass came in first place with an 85.25, and uh, River City Rhythm came just a little bit lower at 82.4. In the Percussion Scholastic World Division for that show, Brandon Valley High School won the competition with a score of 80.55. Then in Scholastic Open, Eden Prairie High School won with an 81.45. In Percussion A, we got to see a lot of groups compete but in first place, we had Irondale Combined Schools, followed by Osseo Area Combined Schools, then Elk River Combined Schools in third. Apparently, they got lots of combined programs over there in Minnesota. Um, moving over to the Atlanta Regional, you would, I'm sure you'd expect we'd see Atlanta Quest here. Uh, and Atlanta Quest did win their independent world caption there. They got a score of 83.9 this last week. Audio Theater competed as well in independent world, receiving a score of 80.4. Uh, moving on down the list at that competition, Dorman High School got to win the Scholastic World competition, uh, receiving an 84.3. Then uh, two other world groups showed up, Milton High School, who came in second place with a 79.35, and Lambert High School, who came in third with a 77.9. Um, moving down the competition ranks to Scholastic Open, we got to see a lot of different groups here. Seven different groups competed. However, in first place, we had Gulfport High School, uh, followed by Forsyth Central High School, and then South Forsyth High School. Uh, So it looks like they must have something in the water over in Cumming, Georgia, uh, where those Forsyths are from. Uh, In Scholastic A, Alpharetta High School came in first place, received a score of 84.15. Warren Central came in second, and Hewitt Trustville High School came in third. Moving up north a little further to Dayton, Ohio. At the Percussion Independent World level, we saw four different groups compete. Uh, Receiving fourth place, we have Kinexus, who scored an 85.75. However, uh, they did receive a substantial penalty, a 3.75-point penalty. Uh, So their actual score following the penalty was an 82. Uh, In third place, we had Cap City. They scored an 87.275. And close ahead of them was Matrix, who scored an 87.425. Now, of course, above all that, we got my favorite ensemble, Rhythm X, scoring a 92.35. Feeling, Got to be feeling pretty comfortable heading into Dayton from there. At the Scholastic World level, Tim Fairbanks High School, Centerville High School, scored an 83.75, winning their division. They were the only ones there for that contest. At Scholastic Open, we had Kettering Fairmount High School, winning the competition, nearly sweeping all the captions, 
receiving an 88.25. However, close behind, we had Victor J. Andrew High School with an 88.025, followed by Milford High School, who scored an 82. In Scholastic A, we had Bellbrook High School winning the show with a 92.25, followed by Beaver Creek, and then Mars Area High School from Pennsylvania. Now, uh, finally, last competition for the weekend in WGI was the New Jersey Regional over at Monroe Township. We got to see United and George Mason face off for the first time this year. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, it was super interesting because I was there. I got to see these groups myself. Uh, but in Scholastic A at that contest, we had Everett High School winning the show with an 89.275, followed by Unionville with an 88.7, then Hempfield High School with an 87. Uh, after that, moving up to Scholastic Open, we have Fairlawn High School winning the show with an 86.1. Then we have New, uh, New Milford High School coming in second place with an 83.65, followed by Norwalk Combined Schools with an 83.2. In Scholastic World, we had Old Bridge High School competing in Scholastic World for the first time after being bumped and receiving a monstrous score of 89.25 in their first Scholastic World competition. Uh, I think that puts them in somewhere around fifth place in the Scholastic World rankings. And now, obviously, everything will be uh, different when it comes to actual competition face-to-face -face in Dayton. But I, I have to imagine that the staff and the students over there at Old Bridge are ripping and roaring. They're ready to go. Bring them to Dayton. They're ready. Um, at the independent world level, we had some controversy a little bit, something not, we weren't all expecting happened. Uh, George Mason beat United Percussion. Uh, they added two movements to the end of their show, and if you can find a video online, it's worth checking out. Their show's pretty fun. It's a, it's like a post-apocalyptic show, but it kind of it does a little bit of subversion. You get to hear kind of how Mason would play music from all different times in history, um, and and the visual is well executed. It's a really exciting program. Um, they got a performer who really nails it one like character actor uh mason received a 90.75 edging out united who scored just a a 90 just barely below now uh united show kind of spacey kind of sciencey um i honestly had a little bit of a harder time picking out the theme i'll say that much but i think that they play some notes they have hands they got chops they got cleanliness they did win the music caption over george mason uh However, Mason got the edge out in effect and visual. So, interesting week for WGI competition. Uh, none of the independent world groups competed in California, so we'll check back in with them again next week. Um, but it's been a joy following all this with you guys. I can't wait uh, to get to Dayton. All right, everyone is sticking around after this quick rehearsal chunk, but it's time to get out the stand tunes so we can practice for the big game this weekend. Dr. Knops, will you take the low brass and everybody else go grab the flutes? Linda Hannum is up next and drummers, you are going to want to be warmed up for this one. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. 
Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, a.k.a. headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram. It's the cookout CG or our Facebook page, the cookout. We can't wait to see you there. All right. Hello, Linda. How are you? Well, hello. How are you? I am well. And hey, Tom. Hello. Hello. How good to be here. So, Linda, I'm so excited. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. So, I one of the reasons that we first got in touch with you is because you were the very first female drum major at UMass. And once you and I got to talking, I realized you were the very first female a lot of things. So, would you mind terribly kind of going way back and telling us how how you got started in the marching arts, basically? Oh, I would love to. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for even you know blowing the dust off these old memories. It's like, you know, I've, I've long since put them to sleep, but it's fun to talk about it because it does, you know, someone has to blaze the way at some point in time, someone has to open the path. And, you know, it's interesting because I never set out to be, you know, wow, the first woman drum major at this or, you know, whatever. It's just, uh, and it kind of falls into sort of my mindset of, we should just be all acknowledged, rewarded in, uh, for what we do and how we do it, whether you have, and I say this, you know, tongue in cheek and in ear and outie or whatever, anywhere in That's between. True. Um, yeah, it's so um, it really started way back when I would uh, literally uh, march around my backyard with a garden hose and I would play the garden hose. And it's if you know anything about music and overtones or whatever, there's there's only a few notes that are available to the garden hose and, you know, um, so it was, it was pathetic. And, um, so my, my mother finally said, I think you need to join the, the, you know, the third grade band. And so we, um, the band director would show all the instruments and the flute and it's so cute. And the clarinet is a little bit cuter case. And then they took out like these brass instruments. I'm like, oh yeah, look at that. That sounds like my garden hose, you know, and I came home with a trombone and that lasted, I don't know, maybe 36, 40 minutes in the house and my, I literally got sent back to the school. There's no way my daughter's ever going to play trombone, but it sounds just like the garden hose, mom. Um, so uh, I, I came home with a trumpet the next day and that was acceptable. You know, the angel Gabriel plays a trumpet. So I, uh, I, 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 I got permission to play the trumpet and I loved it and loud was fun. And um, so fast forward, I decided as a senior in high school that, um, I'm really good at this and I, I'm going to pursue a music career. So I auditioned for several different colleges in the New England area and was lucky to get accepted at the University of Massachusetts to study with a wonderful trumpet professor named Walter Chestnut. And he just, his, he was a big man, but his heart was even bigger. And um, I was naive enough my freshman year to sign up for my first trumpet lessons 
Monday mornings at eight o'clock. I thought that would be great, uh, unbeknownst to me, with a, you know, football game and, you know, blowing my chops off all weekend. I had nothing left, you know, and he was a big Michigan marching band guy. So he, you know, he appreciated the marching band. So half the time on my freshman year, we just keep the trumpet in the case and just talk. So that was sweet. But so I, I did not really know about drum and bugle corps um, all through my high school years when most people are, you know, participating, joining, going to camps, whatever, except yeah. I would sometimes practice out back at my house. And, you know, we lived on the edge of this woods and fields and, and I would hear somebody practicing also. And I think it was a baritone and, and I would, then I just started blowing really loud and I would play bop, bop, up and I would hear, <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is, you're going down. We're, we're in a now a competition who could out loud each other. So we would start playing these intricate things. And I never knew who it was ever. Wait, still to this um, day, you haven't found out who still it was? Still to this day. I, I, I think there was a family that lived in town. The last name was Quinn and they, they joined, they were participating in a, a, like a junior, junior corps in Boston. And we lived about 40 miles outside of Boston. So, uh, you know, and who knows back then, you know, every, every parish had a drum and bugle. Corps. Yeah. Back then there were so many, there's no way to know. Yeah. You know, rock with sack. I mean, the blessed sacrament, you know, I mean, all these, you know, it, it wasn't even what drum corps you're in. It's like, what parish are you marching for? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, so that was kind of a fun, fun start. And then, you know, I head off to UMass and study music and join the marching band there. Still, now I'm 18 years old. So uh, I joined the UMass band, absolutely fall in love. Uh, and my first uh, day on campus was also George Parks's first day on campus. So we were both, quote unquote, freshmen, newbies in 1977, just to date myself. Um, and Talk about uh, like a living legend though like you you guys started at the same time and that's yeah amazing. it was that was a that was a big moment um because the band at umass was a very uh traditional michigan style band you know literally the big red m and they marched high step and they they made you know very linear formations and they were quite good um but and so then george came in and, and introduced like whoa the roll step and it was like what is this you know and it was it was not easy for the upperclassmen to make this shift mm -hmm. at first because they were just so used to what they had been doing obviously and and uh, you know familiarity breeds con content um <laughs> so so um fast forward i played trumpet in the band for i think it was two years and you know again i liked i like loud um i i it's so funny i i have i have uh I can't remember why I strode, I, you know, stride purposely into my office to get the, and then it's gone from my brain, right? You know, like, like uh -huh. so that kind of memory is like, wow. Then I just back up and I try to figure it out. But <laughs> I was gifted with an ability to sort of play a piece of music once or twice, and I just didn't need to see it again. And so that really helps when you then have to focus on, okay, I'm in a body, I have to have a spot, where's my dot, where do I go next? And so, um, and, and the band at UMass became, this incredible, deep, rich experience of, you know, literally friends for life. I have friends that, you know, uh, I will, I mean, gone, we've gone to each other's weddings. Unfortunately, it, you know, as we get older, we're now going to some funerals and stuff. I mean, but we're, yeah. uh, I, I would bleed for any one of them, you know, and, uh, and we all have had that experience. I think that's a, that's a intangible bonus for marching arts. I think that that's a little bit different. I mean, mm -hmm. 
I know I, I coach college rowing now, which is like, woo, to talk about pivot, but um, it's just, which I'm trying to instill and I do try to instill that, that, that real community, but there's something a little bit different about band. And I think part of that is um, it's music. It's like when you can create beauty like that and something that is so powerfully emotion that it moves oh, you to tears, sure. Yeah, you know, that's something that goes in and, and, holds a place in your heart that'll never change in your rest for the rest of your life and who you did that with you know it's like band of brothers you know we're we're in this together so let's let's go talk talk about your um going sort of from uh like when you first got to umass and you were you know doing your part as a trumpet player and then how did you decide to go from that to being a drum major i love being a leader and not because i'm a good leader um, I like being a leader because I really feel like I have a, a capability of, you know, a good leader gets you to believe in them, right? I want you to believe in me. So that's a good leader. A great leader gets people to believe in themselves. Okay. And when that happens, and it's, that's really what George did at first. I mean, he came into that band and, you know, he, he taught us literally how to stand differently. How are your feet? Well, together. How's your stomach? In, chest, out, shoulders, back, elbows, frozen, chin, up, eyes, with pride. I mean, we we and he goes who's the best band and i'm like we would like i would run through a glass door you man <laughs> is the best band now we're not yet but we're gonna be and and so to to build something and have that you know growth so i witnessed that in him then i would go a couple of us all like what is this senior drum and bugle corps thing and who are the reading buccaneers and like wow let's go see george put on a uniform tee he he you know isn't that funny and he's gonna throw that stick and oh my god he's gonna catch it like does your mother know you're doing this you know you can hurt yourself <laughs> so we got introduced to uh senior drum and bugle corps and it was like so exciting looking and i watched his role as a drum major and i said i want to do that i think i can do that and and then, you know, after the end of my sophomore year at UMass, they had, you know, at the end of every year, they had auditions. And uh, I said, I'm going to audition. I'm going to audition. And it was funny because I had a nice connection with a group of women in my dorm. And they were all like, none of them were in the band, but they're all like, Linda, you can do this. And they would be out back watching me try to spin this mace and not break my nose. And I'm like, I'm not throwing this thing. Holy shit. It's going to kill me. You know? Wow. So you had like um, a support group that wasn't just in the band, but like, Oh, outside of the band too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They were pulling for me to, to really make this and to, to and that and then it's at that time I just said, I want to show that a woman can do this. I can lead. I can, of course, there are great women conductors. You know, I can conduct, I can do this, and I can I can lead by example and then you know lead by then also, you know, being the person that really gets you to dig in a little deeper to what you have, you know, pull that out from people. So I auditioned, I I I got it uh, with, with this other guy, Michael Jendrizik. And, you know, we were gender benders right at that time because Michael is this most amazing, amazing baton twirler. And mm -hmm. so, and he was just about six foot tall, big stature, and he would flip the, those things and they would be on fire and he would be lit up behind me and waving his arms. And, <laughs> and, um, and while at the time I would be playing this jazz trumpet solo. And so it was like, wait a minute, she should be, you know, this is back in yeah. 1980, you know, she should be playing, uh, you know, doing the twirling batons and he should be playing the trumpet solo. But we just, it really worked well how we worked well together. And then he didn't go out for it the next year and I got it. So I was drum major at UMass for um, three years. So I was two years as a trumpet player 
And then I, I did five years of college. And part of that is because I didn't have a semester under 21 credits. It was just when you're a music major, mm -hmm. it was just boom, 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 boom. Now, you know, flute was a class and, you know, right. clarinet was a class. I, I did get a D in flute. I will admit that's one of my only <laughs> worst college. But hey, that just know. shows that you can like you can get a D and you can still be successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not play that instrument for the life of me. Hell no. So how did so, you make the jump sort of from college marching band over to drum corps? And, and of course, where did you go? Good, good question. Um, I, so there was a group of us again, that just sort of said, wow, let's, does anyone want to go? There's a little drum corps near Boston called the Middlesex County Guardsmen, you know, and very small, very community group. I, I don't even know what division, but you know, certainly not top 20 of, of uh, DCIs at the time. And this was, I believe in nineteen. Uh, 80, I think I had, I was trying to dig out some old pictures and I'm like, whoo, memory lane. <laughs> so I joined when I was 21. So, uh, and I was really an elder in that group and, uh, you know, because there were a lot of young kids, but that was really fun. And, 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 you know, this, they had a junior core attached to them and all these little girls would come to the little competitions in Boston, you know, Dillboy Field and all these places we all know, right? And, and they would hold up these little signs, you know, we love you, Linda. So I realized that that there was a, you know, you don't do anything in a vacuum. Someone's always watching, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Unfortunately, you know, someone's always watching. So that was a lot of fun. So I aged out with that group. And then um, I I think it was, I, I, I marched in two senior corps I, and I don't remember which order they were in, but I think I went to the Rhode Island Matadors next. And then I maybe just taught at Lieutenant Norman Princeman. I don't, I don't think I marched with them. So I mean, this is how bad, like, you know, why am I in this room? What did I come in here for? But, um, <laughs> so, and it was, there was a guy that, that Gil, his name is Gil Silver. I mean, he's still alive and he's a wonderful supporter of the arts. And uh, he was instrumental in, he saw the UMass band perform at one of the band high school shows that we go to. And, you know, you know, I'm doing my thing up on the podium and it's raucous and fun. And, you know, I get the audience into it. And so he comes up to me after the show and he, you know, he says, what's your name? I said, my, well, my maiden name was Paul. My name is Linda Paul. He goes, Linda Paul, I'm going to make you a star. <laughs> I start laughing. I said, you know, wow, that's so funny. You know, are you smoking your grass clippings or something? Like, <laughs> who are you? So, what, so uh, were, what were some of those yeah. the challenges of, of making that jump and, and getting to you? Because you told me before that you have been, you never marched instrument, right? You were always a drum major. In, in drum and bugle corps was always. Uh, okay, so I mean, what I were did, some of the. Yeah, I did some solo stuff, but because part of the. Like, like Ine, like independent, uh, uh, yeah, solo and ensemble? No, no, no. I mean, um, like in the uh, Guardsmen, I played a solo on the bugle. Oh, in the, as okay. part of the show, but okay. not, I wasn't. So the, one of the biggest challenges was, and I think this has changed a little bit now. I mean, in the, in the old school, you have to, you know, and, and there's a part of this that I thoroughly agree with. And then the part of this, like, you know, what are we doing here? What are we trying to perform? And so the old school is you have to earn your way up, mm -hmm. right? You get a march this year and then this year and then this year. And then, you know, and, and there's, there's legacy to consider and all that. And you know, I went into the Middlesex County Guardsmen having never marched in drum and bugle corps, obviously have marched, you know, in certainly high school bands and college bands, but not drum and bugle corps. And I'm walking in as a drum major. And that was that was sometimes challenging. So I really had a lot of, you know, 
not daggers, but like, what do you do? Who are you? Who do you think you are coming in here into? This is our house. Blah, blah, blah. So I really had to go, we're on the same team, you know, and I'm, I know I haven't done this with you, but I've done this. And then the same thing when it was the Rhode Island Matadors, um, you know, there's some people there that like, you know, well, Joey's supposed to be drum major next because he's in line. <laughs> like, you know, I see Tom nodding his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that, you know, and there's a part of that, that I completely understand that like, wow, because you're part of the, the family and, and you understand the core's traditions and, and how to grow, grow through that. And, but then there's also a part that it is theater and it's yeah. showmanship. It's and if, it, it, what did you say? It's growth, right? You know, exactly. And so I, I think we were sort of early adapters to, uh, to bringing people in to up level a performance, right? And 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 right. once everyone understood that, wow, we're all we actually all have the same desired outcome, then it's it's okay. And then we had to then prove ourselves that, you know, hey, I'm I'm moving to Boston. There's four of us are going to sleep in a, a room with two twin beds. That we took the mattress off the beds. Two people got the box springs. Wow, let me tell you how comfortable that was. Oh gosh, and two people. <laughs> Two people on a mattress on the floor and, you know, you just, you did it because that's what you did. Right. And so yeah, once people good. realized that we were in a hundred percent in and never missed a practice, never, you know, uh, then it started being like, okay. Okay. You know, you do have a history. It's just not with us. So that's okay. So I did that. Yeah, I did. And then I only did the middle, the, um, matadors, I think also just for a year, because then, you know, I think at that time, Tom was still with Crossman. And we were not married yet. We married in 86. Um, so Tom was still with Crossman. So I, I would go and be blown away with then what I saw because I, I've not yet seen, you know, top 12 drum corps really. You know, we were occasionally on our little shows in Boston. I would, you know, the Lancers would come in and do something, something, or, you know, I forget who the, the drum corps was, the, the chrome wall, and they had these snare drums that were all chrome and, you know. Uh, yeah, I just think of, you know, Peggy and, the, you know, Peggy swings and spins. And then, you yeah. know, when the, you know, the, the, the Lancers color guard. Yeah. Yeah. Lancers, they, North Star, I think was the North Star. Football. Yeah. North Star. That's what it was. And, and like, I would, you know, thinking back, if I had the opportunity, you know, to choose, you had one year, I didn't know that you aged out at 21. I'm like, what do you mean? I, I, I can't even spell mortgage yet. What do you mean? Oh, no. I, I can't still march. Like, this is crazy. So um, I may have wanted to, you know, not as certainly not as drum major, would have loved to march as a horn player in, in like the Lancers or even, you know, the Chrome Wall, you know, or because um, I think, you know, I would have been able to carry my own in that. But so then in the middle of all this, I got braces. And oh. um, yeah, so that meant, OK, put the trumpet away. Because I mean, I, I should have had braces when I was you know, younger, yeah. but I was too focused on being a trumpet player and I couldn't uh, change my embouchure. I couldn't change my chops. And um, mm -hmm. then I realized, you know, I'm in, I'm in college. I'm in front of it. It was a kind of a hard moment, you know, back when teasing was not called out and there I am, you know, drum major, this marching band, college marching band. I turn around and get the audience to clap. And I'm like, and they're playing some, I don't know, sweet Caroline or something like that. Well, the showmanship. And I see this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, but I see this group of uh, college women and they were kind of making fun of, I had buck teeth and I could see that they were going, ho, 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 ho. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, 
And I just, I had, a, I had a compartmentalized it, put it away. But then I, you know, I processed it a little bit later. I said, okay, um, you're going to go out and be a band director. And if this is what college age people are doing, wh what are you going to do when you're in front of a middle school band? You know, are you really going to play trumpet for the rest of your life, Linda Hannum or Linda Paul at the time, you know? And I just like, you know what? I got to get my teeth fixed. I have to do this. You know, it's not crazy, sort of, but not really. And so I went um, and this was my, I guess I call it my first senior year. And, and I had, you know, two teeth pulled and put the trumpet in the case. And to satisfy all my requirements at the university, I played uh, percussion in the concert band, you know, hitting a triangle and playing it, you know. <laughs> um, and I, had, I just put it away so I couldn't play. So, but during that time, that's when Tom was doing the Crossman. And I believe, I never like went on any tour with the Crossman that, that I can, because I think he got hired pretty quickly. George Hopkins, you know, scooped in and got him, Jim Prime, you know, Donnie Van Doren, that group to come and work for uh, the cadets of Bergen County at the time. And, and so that was, you know, it was pretty awesome. And when I first started going there, I mean, you know, I didn't get hired by the cadets because I was Linda Paul and I'm a, you know, a good trumpet player and future band director, et cetera, et cetera. I got hired because I was Tom's girlfriend, you know, mm. and I get that. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's what it is, you know, if you want Tom there, sometimes it's good to, you know, make make the uh, connection to why he should stay there so um but i thought in the background of all this i have a little camera and i had i had a half tom and i bought a half inch video camera you know it's probably the size of my prius now right you know it's like <laughs> i think you know. down a path i was going to ask a question about yeah so that, that is a very interesting so so this kind of morphs into doing two different things now in sort of post UMass, but in the middle of the beginning of my world with drum corps, which probably really, you know, maybe was 22 years old to maybe 30, 30 years old or something, somewhere, maybe 32, right in that little time period. But during that time, I started filming everything, getting off the bus, getting on the bus, percussion rehearsals, brass rehearsals, color guard rehearsals. And I had a, a friend who, who was my hairdresser's husband who had a video editing studio in his basement. And I'm like, whoa, will you help me put this thing together? And so we edited together this really, you know, beginning of the behind the scenes of Drum and Bugle Corps video. And it was the Cadets of Bergen County. We showed it at the banquet, not a dry eye in the place. And I don't care who you are, if, if you watch it, you, you would still choke up a little bit because mm -hmm. part of that is the music I picked and, you know, and then it's, you know, when to go to slow motion and when to, you know, you know, get these hugs and, you know, you're, you're out on the field at the end. And this is the last time this group of people will ever probably ever really be together. You know, it's hard right. to reenact and get, get uh, alumni back for a, re you know, that kind of a thing. So really touched on the emotion of it and it triggered, wow, I think I'll do that again next year. So however many years I did, I call them a video souvenir um, with the cadets and then uh, at my world in the background also morphed with the work I was doing. And I worked for a subsidiary of the Reader's Digest. And at one point in time, they branched and created a video yearbook company where there was a, a Catholic school in Philly where they took all the classrooms and made 10 edit studios. And in each edit studio was it like, you know, you would sit at 25 pieces of equipment. You know, this cell phone replaces all of that equipment in this day and age, right? 
Yeah, right. like that's um, like as I say, like we do vlogs for Spintronics and showing all the behind the scenes of our winter garden. It's like I like it's literally just you just throw it on your phone real quick and and put it all together. And you're talking like massive amounts of equipment and people having to put in hours and hours of time. Oh yeah, to yeah. edit this and, and, stuff. You know, and for people that are listening, Linda is the reason why you have a tour video now yeah. at the end of the season. <laughs> that's a, the reason why you have a memory of she's your a trailblazer <laughs> in so many ways yeah it was it and part of it too is i loved capturing it, it, i have this like emotional attachment to placing value on on things because like wow don't it's not i'm not saying don't throw that away but it's like wow look at this old barn god this should be saved like what are you doing with this is they're not going to make this again you know, there's so there's there's a, a real attachment to history, and history happens like this. Like the beginning of our call is already history, right? right. And, and so for thinking that oh we're going to remember this is ridiculous. And so if we film it and capture it and interview people and ask questions right when they're in the moment, tears are streaming down their eyes because someone just put the first place medal over your neck. I mean, so that kind of you can't replicate that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can try to, you yeah. know, and, and some of it is silly, as you can imagine. My God, the stuff on the buses, you know, George Bengali <laughs> wearing a purse, run up and down the, the, the runway in the middle of the bridge. We'll never see, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole different tour. <laughs> <laughs> There's the behind the behind the scenes. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And well, that this... footage is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. money. That one's locked, yeah. locked away, safe in a vault somewhere. Uh, and it's, it's, and it shouldn't be at this point in time. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's. Uh, you know, so I, so I did that with cadets for a number of years and, and then, uh, Tom and the team, you know, got lured away and they went to starve Indiana. And so, but, but, but while I was at the cadets, I was also, uh, doing some work with the mellophone section. So that was a lot of fun, you know, and again, you know, I mean, I'm one of many, and that's when I think I, I was, you know, I was saying that, um, I was at a rehearsal. I mean, I do video, I do film, right? So I pictures and, and I'm at a rehearsal and I'm working with the contras and I'm trying to get them to like not flat foot march because it, it's such a big instrument. It, 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 it's going to move the mouthpiece around your embouchure. So I get up on your toes when you're moving backwards and just really stay light and do the, and then I'm looking over and I'm like, God, I think that camera's like, and I'm like, I'm going to test something. So I moved over to a different part of the field. Then I see the camera tracking me. I'm like, shit, shit, son of a bitch. Excuse <laughs> my language. I'm like, sorry, sorry not to swear on the podcast here, but I'm like, they're filming me. And I'm mortified because there are people who have been, and, and this is back to, you know, do you earn, have you earned the right to be, yeah. you know, uh, singled out? But again, I think what they were seeing is, oh, that's a female brass instructor. Yep. That You don't see that. This is kind of a cool story, right? So then they asked if they could interview me, and I'm like, oh god! And like, this is so 1980. I have a perm. I, my shorts. Oh my god! I, I'm going to find this interview of you, and, <laughs> yeah, well, and we'll just share it on our social media. <laughs> oh my god! It's mortifying. You know, like, I have this puffy hair. I just look like Sheena Easton or somebody. It's, it's like um, puffy, puffy hair, and my shorts were so high they look like a push-up bra. And I'm like, oh my god! It's so 1980s. <laughs> Tom is cracking up. You, you know the look, right? You know, <laughs> absolutely. And I was really like, like too well. Sandals with a little heel. What? <laughs> you know, you're, and you're teaching drum corps and teaching marching, teaching, and yeah, probably having yeah. to walk backwards a lot in these heels. Yeah, no, <laughs> athletic back then. That was, uh, you know, that was a look. That was a look. I rocked it. 
That'd be awesome. We want to talk about uh, one more thing with you, so we want to talk about an two iconic videos you made. One, Vanguard and Cadets in 87. Okay. And then Star and Cadets in 93. Those two retreat videos for the groups playing for each other have become so iconic in the activity. Isn't it crazy? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Those, I mean, and that's, that has, you know, it has nothing to do with me. All I did was capture what happened. Right. I mean, that, that's true. I mean, like when I, when I think, oh, they're such a good photographer. Well, you know, you're such a good person who, you know, who just happened to, you know, point the camera right. But that, though, the emotion of those kids at that time, you know, it, it would have been, it would have just been ethereally gone in history if it wasn't yeah. captured. You yeah, know, because amazing moments. They just jump off the camera at you still today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all shot on, you know, again, my Prius sized, you know, half inch video camera. <laughs> that you know that footage has been hopefully digitized you know and obviously i know it's been shared a million times and you know that's never and i and i was saying this before that um that's never monetized you know it's like i just want people should see it and it's like when tom what this tells me is there's so much more that people should see that probably is sitting in you know basements and you know oh, so yeah. that's you know that's a nod to the history project to go let's let's kind of like yeah let's dig it up let's dig it up yeah and, let's and put it, it up because we have to look backwards to, to really see where we're going it's like driving your car you got to look in the rearview mirror you got to see where we've come from it's awesome well linda it's been really really so awesome to get to talk to you and get to know you this is just great you are such a trailblazer it amazes me i'm we're gonna have to bring you back for our history project Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, AKA headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, the cookout. We can't wait to see you there. It was so great getting to know Linda and hearing some of her stories. And I have a feeling we are going to be hearing more from Linda in future episodes. We have lots more to get onto on this water break. So let's get right into it. Uh, Whitney is back with something to say in this week's Wisdom from Whitney. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. Today we are going to be talking about performance. A lot of you have been asking questions about how to get your students to perform better. 
and to emote better. My go-to is when any of my students ask, what should my face be? I always tell them to let the music guide them. What does the music make them feel? Because music has so much emotion and that's how we create shows is usually based off music or concept. So I always ask them to really listen to the music, listen to the words. What, um, what does, what does the, what do the lyrics make you feel? What does the, the composition of the music make you want to perform? Another thing you can do is have them do body run-throughs. So just have them do their show without equipment. This gives them an opportunity to focus on the body and performance and not worry about their um, equipment or I guess if you're a percussionist or winds, they don't really have to worry about playing their instrument. It can just be focused on body and performance. Something else I like to do with my students at the end of the season is a sticker game. So each member gets a little piece of paper with their name on it. And anytime uh, any of the staff members see them doing something good, if they're performing well, or if they had like a really strong catch, or they just looked really good, you give them a sticker. And by the end of the season, whoever has the most stickers <clears throat> gets um, some kind of prize. And usually what I do is I go through my closet of color guard items and just get rid of whatever I can. And the kids usually love it. They want old show shirts and stuff from other schools. So this is um, usually a really good incentive, especially for younger performers. They love stickers and they love small competitions like that. And just make it fun for them. Remember that they are young and um, what may seem simple or silly to you may be perfect for them. They are young minds and um, they'll work for silly things like stickers, honestly. So just make it fun, make it exciting, try different things. Um, again, try doing body run-throughs where they can just focus on the performance aspect of it. I also really like at this point of the season doing small group runs. We usually do like three-person runs and then they can critique each other too and tell them at what points they performed well or what points they need to do more or when their body wasn't full out or they didn't hit their, their drill sets, all of that. So um, that's another option for you too and it makes them uh, focus on their performance more because there is that pressure uh, to perform in front of their peers, which is huge. Have a great week, everybody, and I hope that the end of your season is going wonderfully. Thanks, Whitney. Before we get to our gush and goes, we have a new segment from our friends at the Drum Major Leadership Academy. They are going to be giving us some leadership and drum major tips each week. So take it away. Hello and welcome back to another weekly leadership tip brought to you by the Drum Major Leadership Academy. In this week's episode, we are going to be sharing three essential interview questions to ask in your student leaders interview process. Students take note because if these questions come up, you want to make sure you can answer them confidently. Question number one is why do you want to be a student leader for this program? And directors, what this question allows you to do is to assess each student's key motivators as well as their vision for the band program that they hope to serve. Question number two is what will make you a great student leader for this band program? This allows you to assess each individual student's abilities, their key focuses, their strength areas, and other opportunities that they hope to showcase by them being in the role. And the final question that we recommend asking is what are some of your greatest strengths and or weaknesses or challenges that you've experienced in the realm of leadership? This allows a student to showcase very clearly 
another one or two of their key strengths, but also talk about some of the challenges that they faced, the weaknesses that they expect, or any concerns that they might have coming into the leadership role. And the reason why these are so important to understand directors is so that you can best help support and create a team that helps collaborate to solve different challenging issues. A team is great if it's well-rounded. This question allows you to find that answer. And overall, we hope that these questions are helpful. If there is anything else that we can do to help you prepare for leadership auditions, whether you're a director, a student, a returning drum major, whatever the case may be, please feel free to reach out to DMLA Training. You can find us on social media at DMLA Training or visit our website, www.dmlatraining.com. Okay, everyone, it is gush and go time. This is the time in our show where our hosts and guests get to gush and go on about anything they want to, having to do with the marching arts. Nicole, let's start with you. Oh, gosh, my gush and go um, will be about the cookout, but more specifically, the scholarships that we're giving out with the cookout. So this year, we're giving out three. Uh, One is for a performer that is 25 years or older, because no matter how old you are and you're marching, you need some help with that, with those dues. Mm -hmm. And then we have... Uh huh. And then we have two others that we're giving out. Um, one is in collaboration with DPG Digital Performance um, Gear, and then we the cookouts giving out one. Last year we had seven people apply. This year we had fifteen. Ooh. And right. And the the more <laughs> it just it made me so excited and so happy. And every time I went through another application, I was like, Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I want more money so I can give them all money. But uh, it, it was just great to hear about their stories and um, see them because part of the um, part of the application is given a video. So uh, I, I just want to gush about that because, uh, man, every year uh, we get more talent in um, WGI and in those guards, but we also get so much more personality. So I'm excited about it. Dr. Knopf, since you're our guest, would you like to go next? I would love to. Yes, my gush and go is it's all about transition. On Monday evening, again, as I mentioned before, we closed Band 137, such an important year in our history of Marching Mizzou. And then we established Band 138 with the naming of our leadership team. And I am just so thrilled and so excited to start this new year, a new era, and a new moment of our program with these fine individuals who earned a position. And we have a very comprehensive and multifaceted application process. So the students who did earn a position on our leadership team, they're just simply the best of the best in Marching Mizzou. And the ones who applied and who are still going to be returning and weren't named, you know, to our leadership team. You know, we have a saying here that just by being a returning member, you're a leader in our ensemble. So we look forward to everyone's contribution, but I'm just thrilled and excited to get going with our new leadership team and new year, but still my heart is so heavy and and full of gratitude for uh, our leadership team from Band 137 and everything that they have contributed to our program. Trevor, you want to take it from here? Yeah, I am very excited um, that the, the anticipation is building. We are uh, roughly a prof- roughly about 100 days from our first Drum Corps International show. Um, I, as, as many of you know, I have the... Uh, 
great opportunity to be involved with the Mandarin Strumming Bugle Corps. Uh, so we're, we're gearing up for the first production in about 100 days and first show. And along with all these other great drum corps out there, it's going to be an exciting 2023 um, season for the uh, DCI activity. Uh, uh, back in bid stadiums, uh, back at full strength. There's still positions open at drum corps. So make sure that you're reaching out um, and, and, and applying for those positions and sending in those video auditions so you can get invited to those March and April camps that are approaching quickly. Also, scholarship opportunities are available at DCI if you have any uh, interest in you know lowering that, that cost that, that is out there for drum corps. I just wanted to gush about uh, the amazing activity that, that we that we love so much. And we're about 100 days away. So I want to gush about that. I would like to gush about this podcast because as much as, you know, I I love doing online content and, and creating this sort of thing and, and reaching out to people and connecting people from the marching arts all over the country and all over the world. And like, I feel really appreciative that I have been able to talk to so many people, especially pertaining to the history of marching arts and the remarkable women in particular that we've talked to this month. It's just, it, it's amazing to be able to see everything where we've come from and basically to be on the front lines of that by having the opportunity to be a host on this show. So I absolutely love it so much. And I hope everybody will go out and give us five stars for having a, such an amazing ability to connect everyone like this. <laughs> uh, Dr. Knops, it is Music in Our Schools Month. Do you want to tell us about that? Absolutely. Yes, everyone. Music in Our Schools Month. For more than 30 years, March has been officially designated by the National Association for Music Education, NAFME, for the observance of Music in Our Schools Month, the time of year when music education becomes the focus of schools across the nation. The purpose of the month is to raise awareness of the importance of music education for all children and to remind citizens that school is where all children should have access to music. March is an opportunity for music teachers to bring their music programs to the attention of the school and the community, and to display the benefits that school music brings to students of all ages. The events surrounding this month are the ideal opportunities for increasing awareness of the benefits of high quality music education programs in our nation's schools. NAFME hopes that teachers, students, and music supporters alike will find ways to join in on the celebration through creative activities and advocacy. Learn more about how NAFME works to support music education on their website, nafme.org. It is time for this week's Performer Spotlight. This week, Stephen is interviewing Ethan Scartelli, who plays bass two in the world-class ensemble, RhythmX. Hey everyone, Steven here back this week with another Performer Spotlight. This week I'm interviewing a member of Rhythm X. He plays bass drum in my former and favorite bass line, RXB. Everyone meet Ethan Scartelli. Hey Ethan. What's up Steven, how you doing? Doing good man. I was, I've been looking forward to getting back and talking to someone from Rhythm X. I wanted to do it right away, but I thought that was by and wrong. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny because the last time we talked was when we were actually both auditioning for Rhythm X in 22. And so yeah, like, you know, I actually I was, wanted to talk about that a little bit in a, in a minute, too, about uh, kind of the road that got you to Rhythm X since we did meet a little bit along the way. Um, sure. But before we do that, we always start off this bit with something I call the life story in 32 counts. 
gives you about 30 seconds to try to run down every biological bit of information about yourself and your marching career that you can. All uh, right. Ready to give it a go? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. All right. You got four slow counts and you're in. What's up, everyone? Uh, I'm Ethan. I'm 21. I'm from Canton, Michigan. I'm currently a junior at Michigan State where I study business management and Japanese. I played clarinet for seven years in middle school and high school and joined my high school marching band as a sophomore on clarinet, but then I fell in love with the drum line and ran with it. Independently, I marched a lot of places. The Legends got canceled in 2020. Virtual drum corps happened. After that, I did Michigan State drum line 20 and 21, red line 20, 21, and 22, where I was battery captain in 22. Mainrange 21, blue coach 22, and this upcoming summer I'll be the bass section leader for blue 23, and I'm currently bass 2 at Rhythm Max. Yeah, there you go. You got it done with about a bar to spare. Good job, man. Um, That's good. Yeah, you've, you've had a long storied marching career. Um, and, <sighs> yeah, roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, coming out of the Midwest, did you always want to wind up at Rhythm X? Well, you know, I, I don't know if I really knew any better, honestly, when I like first started marching. Like, I knew like different groups existed, but like um, doing like Redline, because I was from Michigan, was like one of the main things that, like I really, really wanted to do. And when I first saw Redline, that was awesome. And then when I saw Rhythm X, that was also something that was equally for me just as awesome. And I knew like uh -huh. when I got to that point, it seemed like something that I just wanted to be able to do before I aged out. Yeah, totally. Um, and for me, it was definitely, it felt like it was a bit of an unattainable goal for a lot of my career. And then I like found myself at this spot at the end where I was able to be there. Could you like speak a little bit maybe towards like your journey as a performer that uh, got you to like the level that you were able to be in that ensemble? No, of course. Yeah. And I, I think one of the funny things is I actually thought at one point marching band was the dumbest thing in the world. And I just never <laughs> to be a part of it. And like, and so my band directors were trying to get me to join and I was a clarinet player in high school. So when I finally like bought into the whole thing, I was like, fine, I'll give it a shot. I joined my sophomore year. And, um, I really wanted to be in the drum line because I saw actually the Blue Coats drum line show up in my YouTube feed. And so I was like, oh, that's uh -huh. something I'm part of, you know. But then when I joined, I was like, I want to be in the drum line. They actually told me no and that I couldn't be in the drum line. So I actually did my entire high school career marching clarinet. But I was oh, fortunate wow. to be able to do winter percussion um, in my school's in Scholastic Open Plymouth Canton. So we did, okay. I was base four in 2018. And that was my first season ever. And then I did snare in 2019. And then my senior year of high school, I got the opportunity to march red line on base one. And then it kind of just, took off from there and then i mean like honestly like i i didn't expect to ever get as far as i could because when i was in high school like i thought because i'm a clarinet player i'm just naturally behind everyone else because everybody else is getting seasons on drums and mm -hmm. that, that wasn't that was going to be possible for me but um when i was given that opportunity at redline i was just astounded and then when everything got shut down with covid i did virtual drum corps and through that i was able to get right. with mandarins and so that's kind of how i ended up there because they reached out to me through instagram looking for a bass drummer and i was like totally down so did that uh -huh. Awesome time. And then after that, I realized there were five open spots at Blue Coats, and it was just something that I had to try and go for. And I went for it and it turned out okay, you know? Yeah, but, I feel you, man. I feel like I was the same like high schooler back in the day. I did snare and then got back to top bass after. I feel like that's a well defined pipeline. But I also remember like uh being and watching those Blue Coats videos and that being the type of thing that like really set me on the path. Um, yeah, right. And so but I also knew, speaking of which, a lot of the Blue Coats guys at that time were doing Rhythm X. And so I was oh, like, oh, yep. Thing. they're doing the blue coats at, like oh like uh -huh. I, live, I live in michigan like i'm not far away from there like i could probably make that happen if i was good enough you know <laughs> oh then, yeah that's the well-established tradition of the area up there all right but i mean it just as time went on i just like realized that it was becoming more and more attainable and then when it happened it honestly doesn't feel real like it, it never will honestly you know because mm -hmm. at the end of the day we're still just doing band it's just at a really high level you know yeah just doing band in like my biased opinion the best place to do band in the world but <laughs> could you speak a little bit as to what you think makes the rhythm x experience unique dude yeah so I, I really think in my opinion there's three main things and they kind of all feed into one group thing and i might go on a little tangent here so hear me out but so the first <laughs> thing is design I, rhythm x likes to take risks every year but the, the the show is definitely like 
always in this constant state of like inorganic change. And so like Mm -hmm. our show this year is called Unspoken. And when we were first told, like we had some ideas about like what the show is about, but we didn't know like how that was going to be displayed on the floor and watching the show and it's like internal meetings develop as the season has gone on has been like a really amazing process. And then on top of that, like the expectation from our staff, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but our, the expectation from the staff is always just super high. And so like something I haven't really particularly experienced from any other ensemble before is like, doing things like adding choreo to a huge chunk of like the closer, let's say the block before we, we perform the show, you know, or learning <laughs> a bass feature with like Tim Jackson telling us like, all right, these are the rhythms. And then the pitches, the pitches is going to go one, two, three, two, whatever. And then next <laughs> thing you know, it's out there, the next rep, you know? And it's like, it's, it's a standard that basically like that we basically, like it sets a standard that we need to be professionals at what we do and not just after like three to four reps, but like immediately, like it has yeah. to be out there like right away. And so, and then the, the the last part of it is really the membership. And like the this this group of Rhythm X is really like X23 has been one of the nicest, kindest groups of individuals that I've ever gotten to be a part of. And everyone has just been so welcoming with open arms and they're all super talented, eager to work. And they're all just like down for the Rhythm X thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think like where that kind of all comes together is that like Tim Fairbanks one time, he actually sat us down and it was after a, like a show where we added in a bunch of stuff, but our score didn't go up super high. And he said, you know, he's like, y'all need to know, like, this really isn't about the scores and it's not like about winning. And then he asked us what our goal for the ensemble really was. And we all kind of concluded and Tim told us, he said that the goal is to be the best thing ever. And as the show Unspoken has kind of developed, one of our internal show themes has been letting our actions speak for themselves. And when that clicked for me personally, like, I really believe that like our group cohesiveness and like our mutual drive for excellence, both on and off the field, allowed us to really more than ever connect with the show in a way that we never initially realized. And for me, like that's allowed me to grow and love Rhythm X just more and more as time has gone on this season. Yeah. So much of what you just said totally spoke to my experience. And that conversation you had with Tim F is like such a Tim F conversation. (laughs) But that's how they approach it every year. It's like this uh, iterative design process. They just try to take the worst part of the show each weekend and make it the best part. And the only way they can know whether or not they're doing it effectively is if you do your first rep well enough that they can get a good gauge on it. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's a really unique thing that I think, like, I, I'm sure maybe, like, RCC might do that. But, like, you don't find that, like, really anywhere. Um, well, no, of course. I think that's what kind of makes it cool because it's, like, it's kind of, like, unknown, but it's, like, just doing the thing, you know? And yeah. It's, like, and it's super fun, too. It's yeah. such an exciting yeah. season. Yep. Um, so, I could go on about it for a really long time, but we probably should keep on moving. Um, oh, of course. Every week we always play this game, and I, I'm starting to really love it. It's called March Teach Cut. If you could march in any show ever, what show would it be? be rcc 2018 100 okay. that was so that i guess they won in 2018 that was my first year as a percussion performer but for me like just seeing the way that like they moved and the show theme and the energy that was behind it like i would just love to be a part of that show like it would yep. just be really really cool no i love that show too because we always do classical dance that's like what everyone thinks of yeah. with plies and stuff but then rcc yeah. 2018 did hip-hop dance and they did it so well that's an excellent show yeah uh-huh. if you could have designed or, or taught any show which show would it be so this one's kind of interesting, but it's actually Aimachi 2013. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So is a group from Japan, Midway Japan. Um, and That's so I might deep have cut. But yeah, but they they uh they had a show called Ninja Shadow Warrior, and it was like all on like stands. And I feel like getting to design a show like with like figuring out like what choreography could we do with this? How could we move these drums in different patterns and ways and stuff to make effective drill in a sense? Like I just uh-huh. thought that was so cool. When I first if saw I remember it. correctly, they had like baton twirlers in that show they did. too. Yes. That was my first year ever going to Dayton. I was a freshman in high school. Oh, and that was like, I showed up on Thursday and they let us watch prelims before we ever even performed. Oh, that's, that's like, Aimachi so cool. was out there. The day I was like blown away. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. For real. That one is a, that's a deep cut. I'm happy you brought that one out. <laughs> um, 
But speaking of cutting, if you had to cut a show from existence, what show would it be? Yeah, so contradictory to everything I just said, I'd probably cut Rhythm X 2017. Oh, okay. I like that too. <laughs> it's not why you'd think, okay? So it was, I think it was their 15th anniversary, so they did like a throwback show. And I think the group was really, really good. But to me, it was like a combination of all the shows they did in the past. Like what show would they have done if they didn't? like do a throwback show you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying like because that group of drummers was really really good and so I'm, like i was i'm always curious as to, like if they didn't do a throwback what would it have been you know yeah and i thought that that throwback show was too self-serving for my tastes i'd like to think that i would feel that way as well even after i went and marched rhythm x mm-hmm. but at the time i was marching united and so i was competing against x and i was like you can't do a show like this you can't just <laughs> do a show about how good you are that's not right that's really um but anyway, Ethan, it's been good talking to you. Um, if our yeah. listeners wanted to watch a video of you, what would you say is like your favorite video of you performing and how can they find it? Yeah. So on finals day of Blue Coats this last summer, uh, George, George Collins, he approached me and he gave me a GoPro and kind of slapped it on my drum. So there's actually a, a Blue Coats base camp on YouTube and it's literally just like attached to my drum. Nice. It's, one to find. it's on George Collins' YouTube channel. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to go check that one out. But honestly, I think that one has showed up in my suggestions. Um, <laughs> And what is your social media, your best place that people could find you? Yep, yep. So I'm on Facebook, uh, just Ethan Scartelli, or you can find me on Instagram at Ethan underscore Scartelli. Pretty simple. Ah, okay. Yeah, you're keeping it simple. Good yeah, branding, yeah. Ethan. But um, <laughs> it was good talking to you, man. I no will for sure be seeing you and speaking to you and spending time with RXB Finals Week. So oh, yeah, I'll see you sure. around, man. Yeah, Everyone should check him out. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, have a good rest of your season. Yep, you as well, not you as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you anyway. See you, man. Can you believe that Ethan was the last one cut last season? And he stuck it out and then he made it on the baseline this year. That is what perseverance is all about. Time to get our history lesson this week, folks. Each week, the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. They are working on a much larger series coming in April to On a Water Break. So you are going to want to stay tuned for that. So it's time to take a march through history. Take it away, Bill. Hey everybody, this is Bill Ives from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania with this week's fascinating snippet of marching pageantry history. The VIPs of Washington, D.C., one of the best all-black corps in the country, competed in a contest sponsored by the Young Americans of Newport News and won the contest with a score of 65.05 to the second-place corps, the Brookhaven Crusaders, with a score of 56.6, and five other cores. On their way home, they stopped to get gas for their buses and grabbed something to eat from a fast food restaurant across the street from the gas station. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a group of young white local kids showed up in loud cars and found a way to agitate trouble with some members of our group. This led to a fist fight and bottle throwing, which struck one of our members in the head, and it got serious after that. What we didn't know was the local authorities were tracking the group of locals later identified as the Yellow Creek Gang and proceeded to handcuff and arrest many of them after quite the fight took place. Then the local authorities escorted us safely out of the city of Newport News so we could go home. We only had one injury. They had multiple injuries and arrests for their gang-like behavior. 
They started it. We finished it with a little help from the authorities who were also directing traffic for the show that night. Stay tuned to future podcasts for more fascinating snippets from the colorful history of this wonderful activity we call the Marching Arts. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Well, we've learned about the past. Now it's time to move on to the present with some news. And I am up first, folks. The first thing we want to talk about is March Madness and some pet band news. A really interesting story uh, written by uh, Charmaine Patterson, uh, featured in the People, um, People magazine. The topic Dayton pet band learns FDU fight song in minutes to cheer them on during shocking upset during March Madness. So the number 16 seed in the men's NCAA March Madness, uh, uh, Farley Dickerson, uh, had a Cinderella story in March Madness, folks. But they did so without a marching band, pep band. It was really interesting, and they needed a little bit of assistance. So for the first round, they had a local um, high school group come in, step in for them. But when they faced number one Purdue, the Dayton, um, university pet band stepped in and lended in their efforts to the Farley Dickinson University as they defeated Purdue 63 to 58 on that Friday night in a shocking, surprising upset. So, our friends at Farley Dickinson University got an assist from the Dayton University band led by longtime UD's long uh, band director, Dr. Willie Morris. Um, well, Dr. Morris told them, I, I had to tell them that their fight song was actually playing. So the fans it took a while to get into it, but they played it so much because the game was so exciting uh, that they got the hang of it at the end. It's so cool to have like these groups like Dayton jump in. Um, Amy, have you heard of things like this happening before? And how oh. cool was that? Absolutely. I love it. That's what is so special about our profession where we do have each other's back. And when we are, when there's a moment that we need to help each other out, we do so without hesitation. So kudos to everyone involved. Yeah. I I love that partnership that is shared. Um, They said as the night progressed, the, the Dayton pep band and, uh, they got louder. People started clapping louder on the Farley Dickerson side and in their fan base. They got more energetic. So thanks to the folks at Dayton for stepping in and Dr. Morris for stepping in and, and providing that moment. Hopefully moving forward, the folks at Farley Dickerson University are going to see the importance that, of having a, a, a marching band, athletic bands. And maybe we'll see this time next year or a couple of years from now, they'll have their own band to play their fight song. We hope that that happens because we love uh, being advocates uh, for, for this activity, for marching arts. Absolutely. It's critical to have them a part of the game atmosphere. I have a story from my second home, Memphis, Tennessee. This was on NPR just the other day. So the Christian Brothers High School Band in Memphis is actually the oldest continuously operating high school marching band in the United States. They turned 150 years old on St. Patrick's Day. 
it's amazing that this program has been able to go on for so long. They have only had 10 band directors over this, what is that, 15 decades <laughs> for 150 years. Um, they started on March 17th. 1873 in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Memphis. And uh, they are called the Silver Coronet Band. They actually play period instruments from 1873. So they have coronets and alto horns that are that old. And they go and march in the, the St. Patrick's Day Parade with them. Uh, they play, of course, they play a lot of Elvis music because, I mean, it's Memphis. You can't... Uh, you can't not play Elvis whenever you are in Memphis and uh, also some WC Handy. So things like nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I'm sorry, I'm not a bass. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, really cool to just sort of hear uh, the band make it onto NPR. Yeah, radio. And especially being as old as it is. I have great Elvis moves, if anybody wants to know. Uh, we have some news from the DCI world. Dr. Knops, do you want to uh, tell us about that? Absolutely. This is such an exciting story, everyone. Jersey Surf has just announced this mobile music lab project. And check this out, everyone. Uh, of course, they have been in the business here for more than three decades, providing quality music education and leadership to thousands of high school and college age students. But they have debuted this really innovative initiative, again, called the Mobile Music Lab. And the goal is to increase their organization's reach to include and engage more people in the process of lifelong music making. And this was this came about apparently during their time away, of course, from the core during COVID-19 and just really working on an idea to re-engage everyone and bring the marching arts to different community communities across the nation. So this initiative is in alignment with their organization. And this mobile music lab will enable them to bring inclusive, engaging, and innovative programming to locations such as different recreation centers, senior citizen communities, playgrounds, school assemblies, other different festivals, really, truly just getting music out there and on the road. So kudos, Jersey Surf. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for bringing music to our citizens. Okay, thank you everyone for such a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Trevor and Nicole. Also, thank you to Dr. Knops once again for being on here. You can follow her at at A-M-K-N-O-P-P-S, A-M-Knops, or even better, follow Marching Mizzou at Marching Mizzou. That's M-I-Z-Z-O-U, all one word. Uh, thank you so much to Whitney, Cindy, and Stephen. And of course, Bill from at marching underscore pageantry underscore arts underscore museum and the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA training, all one word. Super big thank you to the amazing Linda Hannum for all of her stories. Uh, next week, we have some pretty great, great guests coming up. You do not 
want to miss them, including one who we have been working on putting together an interview for all month. So subscribe, write us a review, share this with a friend, and we will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break.